Here on the Untold Civil War podcast, we cover everything about the Civil War that has been unjustly left out of your high school and college textbooks. The American Civil War is the last time large armies battled across the mainland United States. And unbeknownst to many, we walk past the sites of this great conflict on a daily basis. On this podcast, I'll try to point these sites out to you so that you might look at your next commute to work a little differently. I'm currently based out of New York City, and with the majority of battles of the Civil War taking place in Virginia and Tennessee, I can easily see how an 8th grade teacher might say they have a hard time getting their students interested in the Civil War because there is no Gettysburg here. Nothing their students can touch and feel that can spark that interest in the conflict. But in actuality, there are several Civil War sites right here in the city, which we walk past on our daily commute to work. In fact, I'm standing at one right now. I'm standing here at Union Square, right in front of that magnificent George Washington statue. You can probably hear the loud honking of cabs, police sirens, and the music of street musicians in the background. Right now, I can see a couple walking their dog. I can see tourists mapping their way through the city. I even see people walking around with Barnes and Noble's bags, which I support. Everyone should read more. The energy here today is positive. People seem ready to start the new year on the right foot. People seem content going about their daily routine. But things were very different here in 1861. On April 12th, the newly formed Confederate States had fired on Fort Sumter and thus launched the nation into civil war. In response to the bombardment, it appeared as if the entire population of New York City had descended upon this square on April 20th, to take part in one of the largest war rallies this city had ever seen. One newspaper described the scene. The Empire City yesterday spoke in tones of thunder for the Union, the Constitution, and the enforcement of the laws. The largest meeting, without exception, that was ever held on this continent, and the most enthusiastic, was that which came together at Union Square and in the vicinity yesterday. For the hundred thousand and unnumbered thousand more who responded to the call were too numerous to find standing room within the limits of the square itself. Into the adjoining thoroughfares the crowds overflowed, and Broadway from the 14th Street almost to the Battery was a surging mass of human beings all the afternoon. The stores were closed, and everywhere on housetops and mastheads, and on men's hats and next their hearts, and even in ladies' bonnets were the stars and stripes the emblem of a union which the people have declared must and shall be preserved. They who of late, and not without some show of reason, have upbraided Americans for the seeming apathy with which they first heard how the flag had been dishonored, should have seen the demonstrations of yesterday. Union Square was a red, white, and blue wonder. Countless little flags were hung from windows or waved by ladies and children who looked forth from them. Not only the adjacent hotels, the Clarendon, the Everett, the Union Place, the Monument House, displayed national colors in profusion, but from nearly every private house, from Springler Institute and from the Church of the Puritans, the flag of our Union waved proudly. The New York Times The rally's guests of honor were none other than Major Robert Anderson, 
and the other defenders of Fort Sumter under his command. The event's speakers included the city's mayor, Fernando Wood, and Senator Edward Baker. However, the main attraction, of course, was the Sumter flag. The Stars and Stripes, which had flown over Fort Sumter during the siege, had been brought to New York City by the defenders and was now flown atop the Washington statue for all to see. One witness wrote of the event in a letter saying, The great mass meeting today in Union Square, or rather, whose center was Union Square, for the huge sea of men overflowed the quadrangle of streets where the speaker's stands were, and surged down Broadway, up Broadway, through 14th Street, and along 4th Avenue, far beyond the Everett House. We were in a balcony at the corner of Union Square and Broadway, and saw the concourse, though we could not distinguish the words of any speaker. We could only tell when the points were being made, by the thousands of hats lifted and swung in the air, and by the roar of the cheering. Every house fronting the square and up and down the side streets was decorated with flags and festoons, and the Sumter flag, on its splintered staff, hung over the stand where the gentlemen of the Sumter Command were. The Puritan Church had a great banner afloat on its tower. Trinity set the example to the churches yesterday when a magnificent flag was raised on its tall spire with a salvo of artillery. The sight was a grand one today, and in some of its features, peculiar. As the tide rolled up under our balcony, we could see scarcely a man who was not earnest-looking, grave and resolved, and all seemed of the best classes, from well-dressed gentlemen down to hard-working, hard-fisted draymen and hod-carriers, but no lower. There was not a single intoxicated man, as far as we could see, or a single one trying to make any disturbance or dissent. You will see by the reports of the meeting who were the officers, speakers, etc., and judge how all colors of opinion were represented and were unanimous. New York, at any rate, is all on one side now, all ready to forget lesser differences, like the household into which grief has entered. Almost every individual man, woman, and child carried the sacred colors in some shape or other, and the ladies at the windows had knots of ribbon, tricolored bouquets, and flags without number. There was not a policeman to be seen from our outlook, though no doubt there were some about the square. But the crowd kept itself in order and perfect good nature. And whenever the flag appeared at the head of any procession or deputation, it fell back instantly and respectfully to let it pass through. Jane Stewart Woolsey This rally was held for a couple reasons. The first being to show New York City support for the Union. Now looking back, one might wonder why the state, which sent the largest number of soldiers to the seat of war, it's estimated around 400,000 men of New York State served in the Union Army, would feel the need to prove its loyalty in the early days of the war. The fact of the matter is that prior to the opening hostilities, New York was as divided internally as the rest of the nation was about the issue of secession. The city's mayor, Fernando Wood, was known to have his own secessionist fantasies as he once proposed the city secede from the state. 
He believed the city would do far better as a no-tariff, independent city at the mouth of the Hudson. But after the insult to the flag of the Union, even Wood took this opportunity to profess his loyalty. In a speech to the crowd, he declared, When I assume the duties of the office I have now the honor to hold, my official oath was that I should support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of New York, and infer from that that it is my duty, as it is consistent with my principles and my sense of right, to support not only the Constitution, but the Union, the Government, the Laws, and the Flag. And in the discharge of that duty, I care not what past political associations may be severed. I am willing to give up all sympathies, and, if you please, all errors of judgment upon all national questions. In this great contest, representing, as I do, not the whole, at least a portion of the community, I am willing to say here that I throw myself entirely into this contest with all my power and with all my might. Mayor Fernando Wood A few resolutions were passed and announced. A more somber resolution looked towards the future sacrifice of war and declared that the orphans of veterans would be adopted by the city and cared for. Just how many orphans would the war create was probably unfathomable to the citizens gathered at this square on that day. The only man who seemed to have an inkling of what was to come was none other than Major Anderson. Anderson had suffered the bitter barrage of modern artillery and had felt its effects directly. He was described by Jane Woolsey in her letter. Major Anderson is very grave, almost sad in expression and manner, as a man may well be who has been through such scenes and looks with a wise eye into such a future. But if anything could cheer a man's soul, it would be such enthusiasm and almost love as are lavished on him here. He says, They had not a biscuit to divide among them for nearly two days and were almost suffocated. They say he talks very little about it all, only gives facts in a few modest words. He is overwhelmed with the sight of the enthusiasm and unanimity of the North. The South has no idea of it all. He says that he felt very much aggrieved at being attacked at such disadvantage, that for four weeks he only received one message from government and was almost broken down with suspense, anxiety, and ignorance of what was required of him. He went to all the stands today at the mass meeting and was received with a fury of enthusiasm everywhere. Yesterday he was obliged to leave the balcony at Ball and Black's the excitement and applause were so overpowering, and he goes about with tears in his eyes all the time. Jane Stewart Woolsey This rally was a grand display of New York's patriotism and dedication to the Union. This dedication would ultimately lead to hundreds of thousands of men of New York State to pick up the musket and march to war. Many regiments formed in New York, such as the 69th, the 79th, the 5th, the 39th, 
would go on to earn several accolades on the field of battle. Individual New Yorkers like Sergeant Lumen Cadwell, Private David Edwards, and Private James A. Campbell would stand out amongst the rest by earning the Medal of Honor. And the leaders of these soldiers of the Empire State, officers like Major General James Brewerton Ricketts and Major General Abner Doubleday, have become household names. So I think it is important to recognize this spot as the place where the determination which saw New York soldiers through to victory after four years of war was born. Now, if you would like to visit Union Square, you can drive. Union Square is located between East 14th Street and East 17th Street. Or you can take the subway. The 4, 5, 6, L, N, R, Q, and W trains all stop at Union Square. But now if you want to see the Sumter flag, the flag that flew over the fort and then was brought here for the rally, that flag is on display at Fort Sumter itself. It was brought back there and raised above the fort by Major Anderson himself at the end of the hostilities. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Untold Civil War. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd like to give a big thank you to Craig Duncan for allowing me to use his music on this podcast. For more on him, please go to his website, www.craigduncan.net. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast and haven't already, please follow the Untold Civil War podcast Instagram page. On there, you'll get all sorts of updates, behind-the-scenes info, and images that pertain to every individual episode. You'll also be able to message me directly about ideas for future episodes or anything else. You can also email me at untoldcivilwarpodcast at gmail.com. So bye for now, and please tune in next month for our next episode.